Take a second and think about all the different roles across the healthcare industry. Most of us are familiar with frontline care providers. They're the nurses, physicians, physician assistants, medical assistants, and many others who are critical for keeping us healthy and safe every day, but especially now more than ever. Then there are the leadership and administrative roles at entities like insurers and health systems. These are pharmacy, medical directors, policy writers, and everyone else keeping these organizations functioning and patient-minded. And finally, there's the biopharmaceutical company roles, marketing and salespeople, account managers, clinical researchers, all the individuals focused on developing and administering new therapies for patients around the world. While ultimately, these are vastly different roles, they're each vitally important and have one thing in common. They're all constantly learning. And that's where you come in. You're a learning and development professional. That means as science progresses, it's your job to ensure healthcare roles progress with it. This is a show for you. In every episode, Your Brain On, we'll explore topics that are near and dear to not just your heart, but also your job. We'll combine cutting edge scientific research on neuroscience and learning with a deep understanding of the healthcare industry to give you the tools you need to keep those roles sharp and focused on patients. We won't tell you what to think, but we'll definitely cover topics that will make you think. I'm Karen Foster, and this is Your Brain On by Salience Learning. Welcome to our first episode of Your Brain On by Salience Learning. I'm Karen Foster, Head of Learning Strategy and Solutions at Salience Learning, a learning and development firm focused on bringing the science of learning to the business of science. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Krista Gerhardt, Head of Client Services, via the magic of a virtual conference call. Hey, Krista, thanks for joining me today for our first episode. Thanks for having me, Karen. I'm excited to uh, be part of this podcast with you. I think it's interesting today that we're here uh, doing our very first podcast in a uh, remote setting because of the situation that we're in. We are now in a society where uh, social distancing is the norm and distance learning has become the hot topic of the day. Uh, I think that if you'll notice while we're on the call today or in the podcast today, you might hear the voices of strange little people in the background. That would be my children because that is the new norm. No longer does somebody have to be uh, apologetic for working from home because we are all in the same situation. You know, with that, it brings a, a variety of challenges one of which is transitioning all of the amazing live learning that we had designed in Q1 into virtual learning. I'm sure you know folks across the country are facing very similar situations where we need to think differently. We need to take what we've done traditionally and and turn that into something great before a virtual situation. So with that, uh, I'd like to throw it out to you, Karen, you know, what do you think has been one of the biggest struggles that you and the team at Salience Learning have faced as they transition to supporting clients in their very important and very uh, pertinent need to transition all of this live learning that was planned into virtual or distance learning? Yeah, Krista, great question. Um, and, you know, as you know, our team just finished uh, converting a entire week's worth of launch 
content to virtual deployment in less than 10 days. So that was under quite short timelines, uh, which amplified some of these challenges, right? Because obviously there was not as much time to, you know, engage stakeholders to rehash designs. It was very quick and very um, uh, intense. So those challenges really amplified over that period. But, you know, successful deployment uh, that we had, it's given us a chance to look back and then plan ahead as as virtual programs, um, you know, the transition from live to virtual really becomes uh, uh, a lot of projects. So the, the first challenge I think was was actually even just the learner's familiarity with the platforms, right? So ensuring that learners who had never used uh, platforms, so whether it was GoToTraining or Zoom as a virtual classroom or Adobe Connect, making sure those learners had the understanding of, of how to engage in a virtual classroom. So we had to add that to the project timeline and also the uh, preparation uh, because you didn't want to start your first virtual classroom day uh, with everyone questioning how to chat or how to annotate. Um, so really just getting overarching awareness and familiarity across all the learners. That was that was a big pop, uh, challenge in that project. Um, but, uh, you know, we were able to overcome that and collaborate with uh, the leadership of those learners across and, and be successful. So Definitely just kind of this overarching uh, momentum build in transitioning to to the platform. So um, you, you, you were an amazing part of it, uh, as you know, as well. And, um, you know, as a client services person, you have the the the, the task of, of engaging with these you know no, numerous cross-functional stakeholders. Uh, would you agree that that was sort of one of the main challenges? Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting point. I think we talk about in our... Um our blogs on our website that the the concept of curse of knowledge i think there's a there's a little bit of that here when people assume that uh their learner population they're familiar with a, a site or a platform like adobe connect or zoom because they've used it but they tend to use it in a very traditional setting where it's a didactic presentation or a webinar where they're just receiving information on the other end I think the challenges, some of the challenges that we faced were helping not only our stakeholders who were trying to design the learning with us, but also the learners, that this wasn't going to be a situation where they were sitting back and just receiving information, but they had to learn about the platform in a different way or um, you know, be asked mm -hmm. to be present and active in ways that they may not have been uh, comfortable doing so in the past because it wasn't the norm. Uh, so I think that's a very fair point where we really try to work with our stakeholders as well as our learners in helping them to understand that they were going to do more than sit back and receive information. They were going to interact with the speaker. They were going to interact with their peers. They were going to turn their video cameras on. They were going to annotate, you know, a note take uh, in the presence of others. And that's, you know, a challenge in itself. And I think uh, you know, a key takeaway and lesson learned for, for our team was the more preparation for an interactive virtual setting, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely level setting those expectations of what good virtual learning looks like. Um, you know, we all are sort of conditioned to the cues in a classroom of come in, sit down, uh, take out a book, 
uh, turn and look at the person at the front of the room. Um, it's resetting all of those expectations and social norms um, that uh, a lot of us, to your point, take for granted, e- either if we've done some virtual learning in our own roles or education. Um, and it's so important to, to reset those. Uh, I know the other piece that worked really well for us was um, the the ability to clearly communicate how the learner should engage in the learning experience, meaning should they chat in, should they raise hand, um, being pretty prescriptive, uh, especially in the early stages of when novice learners to virtual learning were starting using the platform, uh, being pretty prescriptive at the start. And then as the norms for virtual learning were set uh, over one, two, three, four sessions, uh, the group was able to calibrate and know what good looked like in virtual learning. Um, so we saw so many positive responses of the learners. They were so excited that the sessions we were running were not straight didactic slide after slide after slide presentations, but they were engaged. Um, and this is, you know, Salience's overall philosophy on adult learning. When we have the assumption that adults want to learn and want to be engaged, and we design for that and we, we teach them how to do it and learn that way, they always exceed your expectations. I think the other thing um, be interesting for our audience to here is is around the challenges of transitioning from a live to a virtual setting. We talked about the platform. We talked about, you know, understanding the expectations for how the learner was to use the platform. But how do we think the challenges in helping a stakeholder who is not an L&D professional have them How can we do a better job of helping them understand the conversion of a time period for a live learning experience to a virtual learning experience and and how we typically counsel our stakeholders when when discussing the trade-off where they had 11 hours of live training, but now how many hours of virtual training should they expect and why? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And um, we've used the analogy of imagine if you had originally planned to, you know, fly from New York to Florida and then all of a sudden airlines weren't flying and you had to drive. Right. So the steps are are in in converting a, a travel trip that was originally by air to by car involves different critical thinking questions, involves a different, you know, pivot and approach. So I'd suggest to the audience, if you have stakeholders who, you know, really believe that, oh, one hour of live equals one hour of virtual learning, to maybe suggest that kind of analogy and, and have them think about what all the different considerations that would have to change if you were to say, again, travel by air and have to the next day travel by car. And, uh, you know, that type of pivot or analogy really helps people understand when you start asking questions about um, and chunking the information a bit differently, allowing for breaks, allowing for real clear directions, like I mentioned, and expectations. Because what we don't realize is, 
as best as we can with virtual learning, uh, we lose a lot of the social cues. We lose a lot of the rich um, uh, nonverbal information that comes both to the facilitator or the um, learners themselves, right? Because we do believe that learning from each other and learning within a room is the most powerful way to learn. Um, and so it's really setting expectations to the, the client that the learning objectives of a design will be achieved, but just have to be pivoted differently. Um, sometimes things have to be simplified a bit more, uh, fewer words on slides in virtual. Um, some of those, again, level setting expectations, um, ensuring that the, um, the material learners are given enough breaks, uh, a lot of different things that are involved with um, you know, taking a, a stakeholder who says, hey, convert this to virtual, it, it's live already, you should just go right there, it should be super easy, to really coaching them through the, the pivot in design. Well, I think that's a, a good point. I think one of the challenges that we, we have sometimes is when our live learning uh, experience projection deck transitions to a virtual projection deck and some of the tips and tricks that we try to employ with uh, transitioning to a virtual deck. Maybe you could speak a little bit towards um, the use of breadcrumbs and on-site visuals and the importance of storytelling, even in a virtual setting uh, or even more so in a virtual setting than, with, than compared to a live experience. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, so one of the techniques that we use in our live decks as well, uh, in the materials and the slides is breadcrumb slides, as you said. And uh, we use that term breadcrumbs to uh, connotate the Hansel and Gretel, you know, line of, of path of where a story or a learning experience is going. Um, adults like to know, you know, what's the goal? Why are we here? And what should I be able to do at the end? And what question is this answering? And giving them that directive sort of path and steps through learning by inserting a, a title slide that has all the four sections of or number of sections of that specific experience, and then revisiting that title slide when you go through each of the sections. It gives adults the, the feeling of accomplishment. It gives them a sense of awareness of where they're progressing in the experience. Um, you know, it's, it's similar to uh, conjuring up my son's Mario Brothers game where you conquer a world and you, you're, you see the big map and you got an X on that sort of location. It gives you a sense of completion and accomplishment. And in a virtual classroom, you need that extra even more so um, because, again, we don't have the ability to look around at each other uh, to get social cues. Um, often, you know, webcams can't be used all the time because of broadband concerns. So it's, it's using something like a breadcrumb slide, which is the overall uh, flow. Uh, told, tell them at the, at the beginning with that slide. Tell them throughout how they're progressing and then tell them everything at the end that they've used. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Your Brain On by Salience Learning. This is part one of our series in virtual learning. We'll be back with more very soon. In the meantime, please remember to subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Krista Gerhard. See you next time.